1: welcome to Horse Hour I'm Amy Stevenson and today we're welcoming a Canadian para equestrian team member her name's Bert Sheffield and she's off to Rio next week Ah, so exciting how is she preparing is she okay is Bert ready to go and what horse is she taking with her this is Horse Hour like to introduce you to Bert Sheffield. I feel a bit weird saying Bert because her full name is Roberta. But Roberta, when did you get stuck being called Bert?
2: I've always been called Bert. Um, I was meant to be born Robert James, but unfortunately I came out the wrong kind. <laughs> so I've always been Bert. It's lovely. And so you're known as Bert
1: Sheffield. Yes. And you're a para-equestrian.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So have you always been a
2: para-equestrian? No, I originally started off in the show ring. And then, well, that came about really through dressage, which is sort of a weird twist of things. Because my first pony, uh, he was really difficult about jumping. So I kind of got put off jumping quite considerably by landing face first on far too many fences. (laughs) We like four feet on the ground here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That, That was kind of the, you know, there's only a certain number of times you can land with your face actually on poles before you start to think this isn't such a great idea. Oh, Yeah, he used to take off and put his front feet back down again. Oh, no. With his head between his knees, so he'd (gasps) just fire you into the fence. (laughs) So anyway, that kind of got me interested in dressage. And then we bought my, my second pony, we bought for me to do dressage on. And then we found out that actually she was a lot greener than we thought she was. And she had a lot of nasty little habits. And so we ended up in the show ring with her because... Anything upset her and she put her head on her chest and pretty much closed her eyes and ran. (laughs) So she wasn't terribly good for the dressage at that point when I was only 11 because she was, um, yeah, she kind of went overbent rather easily and became quite unrideable with it. So we went in the show ring, which she was thoroughly, she was very, very good at. We won the Royal Welsh Supreme Ridden Championship for Section C's. Oh, amazing. And lots of county shows and things like that because she was incredibly beautiful and had amazing movement. But she had this little quirk where she something upset her. She just stuck her head on her chest and ran. So that sort of diverted me away from the dressage. And then I ended up showing the Welsh cobs And then after university, I ended up back doing dressage again. I, um, I went and did a British British dressage apprenticeship with Gareth Hughes. Mm. I'd always been interested in the dressage. In many ways, it was my first love, but I'd kind of got diverted away from it. So it was really nice to come home and come back to it. And then it was Gareth that suggested I did Paris. Because I I think a little bit was I didn't have the horsepower to be as successful as I wanted to be in able-bodied. So as I have a disability, he felt that I might as well capitalise on it and go and do Paris. Absolutely. Now, you have rheumatoid arthritis. Yes. So would you mind explaining how that affects you? Uh, Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. It's pretty much a blood disorder. It, my immune system attacks connective tissue. So it focuses mainly on the joints. And it has destroyed cartilage and some of the bone in most of my joints in my body. All four limbs have got severe effect. You know, feel severely affected by it. My spine has some damage. It also can affect your heart, your lungs, your digestive system. Mm-hmm. Anything that's got connective tissue, fascia, gristle, anything like that, it can start to destroy. It just sees these parts of your body as sort of almost alien things that need to be destroyed. So your white blood cells kind of get a bit overactive. So it's an overactive immune system rather than an underactive one. Right. But that also means that I'm open to infections because it's not functioning how it should be. It's not going after the right things. It's So going to Rio then, that must be a
1: huge risk for you if you're open to infections, because there's the Zika virus
2: over there, and is that a worry? It's not a massive worry. Probably the biggest worry is I haven't been able to take the vaccinations that normal people have, oh because no. my drugs won't allow me to have the vaccines. So... I'm gonna just be residing in the Olympic Paralympic Village bubble, keeping well covered up, staying away from big crowds, and trying to be as sort of insignificant to mosquitoes and other little (laughs) creepy crawlies as possible. Bless you. But I guess that is
1: that. You know that is a worry. It's um, it's quite scary. I mean, there are lots of people that didn't go to the Olympics because of the viruses and things that could go around. But the the interesting thing is that horses carry lots of infections, and they carry lots of little animals that we're afraid of, like ticks and all sorts, but you don't get affected by that.
2: Um, I think you can live your life looking for things to have problems
1: with. And that's amazing. That's amazing, because I'm a little worrier, so I think I've heard
2: okay. <laughs> about things like that. Yeah, but- I don't really, you know, they... Yeah, my dog, he gets fleas. <laughs> you know, horses they get lice, they can get fleas, they can get ticks, they have all their internal parasites that they can be affected by. The same as we can or the dogs can and it's just It's life. Yeah, it's life. You you can worry about things that worth worrying about I think.
1: And have you always had rheumatoid arthritis or is it something that grows as you get older?
2: It developed when I was 15 I was quite young which is why I've got the juvenile idiopathic form which is where you it it's early onset it starts before you're 16 and then they don't have a reason why it started and um when it first starts it's usually very aggressive and it but ber- badly burnt into my feet and my hands and my wrists mm. um, and then they've sort of burnt out it kind of gets to a point where it's gone through the cartilage and you get sort of fused joints which are far less painful just less useful and around the horses you have to be careful because those fused joints shatter if you impact them because right. so so obviously don't have the right mechanism and I've broken my wrists several times, and I'm always breaking fingers and toes and things. It must be the passion for horses that keeps you
1: It's incredible what you do, but i I you know i it's very easy to come across patronizing, and I genuinely don't mean to because I think one at fifteen you're going through all those changes as hormonally as a teenager anyway to then be diagnosed with that and then to not only deal with it but to have such a successful career in riding that some able-bodied people only dream of is incredible.
2: I'd have to say at 15, I didn't really deal with it. <laughs> I I stopped riding for about three three years. I was also diagnosed at the same time with epilepsy. And I'd always been a physically active... I, I didn't have the perfect body, but I had a fully functioning body, and I had a very sh- sharp mind, mm. and I was very sort of, high up the scale at school. And all of a sudden, I had my brain misfiring, and I had my body falling apart, all in a space of about three months. And I went very off the rails. What did you do? Oh, I developed eating disorders and self-harm and depression and left the horses behind and went had you know a few years of being a bit crazy but in a way I think it's really good because it means I've come back to the horses it's not been one of those continuous smooth paths where you're sucked along with the tide Hmm. I've actually made a conscious decision that this is what I want to do this is where I want my life to go and that's what I'm going to throw myself into rather than just being swept along with well this is what I've always done and this is what's expected of me so I will just carry on with it
1: so what was the turning point for you to get you out of that really negative place into this is what I want to do?
2: Going away to art school for a year, I did a year at art school as a gap year between school and university because I I hadn't got a clue what I wanted to do. I think when the um, careers people asked me what I wanted to do, I said kill myself, I think was about mm-hmm. the level of it. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, there wasn't a great deal of positivity and... Um, so, yeah, I went to art school for a year and sort of bummed around doing that. And that gave me the space and the freedom to work out how to cope with myself. And then I went to university. And the summer before I went to university, I actually bought a foal. Hmm. He was about three hours old when I first met him. And he was absolutely stunningly beautiful. He a little Welsh cob foal. And I bought him with the idea that I would show him. And it actually worked out really well because it meant that every holidays from university I came back and I played with him for a couple of months and then he went back out in the field. <laughs> and then so he was sort of he was sat on at two and then he was sat on again at three and then at four he was sort of brought in and done a bit did a bit more. And then at five he went off to Gareth Hughes's with me when I went off to be a working pupil. Oh, lovely. So it was quite nice, you know. He kind of brought me back from being fairly psycho. Would you say he was almost like therapy for you? Yeah, he's he's very special. He's not easy and he's he himself is quite an emotionally disturbed little, little gentleman. Hmm. We still have him. He's 16 years old now. <laughs> he nannies our baby horses because I usually buy my horses for dressage as youngsters. Hmm. And so they go out for a year or so with Splodge before they go and do other things. And he tells them what for, puts them in their place. Um he's actually a very sweet nanny. Um he he's not He's not overly aggressive. He just kind of loves them and thinks they're his. <laughs> How he thinks this sort of 17-hand youngsters are, are his, I don't know. But he, <laughs> he looks after them like his children and pl- uh, sort of clucks around them like Mother Hen.
1: Aww. So when you're looking for your horses then, the new ones that you want to, to train, what
2: kind of thing are you looking for? I want a certain size. I need the horse that's... At least 16 hands towards 16-2, 16-3. I need a fair size of horse. For my disability, I like to have a horse with a fair barrel on it. Mm -hmm. I want the horse that's going to support my legs. So I don't want a skinny, knifey, narrow kind of warm blood i want one that's got a bit more substance than that yeah but can i be honest we love dressage i love dressage
1: too and um and i love the big barrels even you know i don't think any dressage horse couldn't be a skinny little tiny one because it's it's the fact that they hold you in and um and it's a bit more like an armchair isn't it when they're big well a lot of the
2: problems i had last year i went round looking for a horse a more established horse and I had real trouble everything I sat on was so narrow really there were so many of the modern bred warmbloods were so narrow and you'd get there and both front legs would come out of the same hole and there was no width to the horse at all hmm. so actually in the end I didn't find anything and I went and bought myself a Gelderlander instead did you I love that I've got a Frisian cross Gelderlander Oh, wow. Well, actually, I went looking for a warm-blood cross Frisian. Oh, amazing. And I couldn't find one. But instead, this Geldlander kind of stood there and looked at me and went, I want to come home with you. <laughs> and I went, okay. And that's how I ended up with Wonky.
1: Oh, don't they have the most phenomenal temperaments? I've just found, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm just particularly lucky, but he, Blackjack is just by far the cuddliest horse I've ever had with the most extravagant movements, but then he's not a competition horse, he's not hot-headed.
2: Well, Darcy, the horse I'm taking to Rio, she's very much a competition warm blood, but she's not hot-headed at all. Oh, that's good. She goes the other way. She's one that you're going, come on.
1: (laughs) Um, I just noticed you called your horse Wonky. Is there a reason he's called that? Wonky's a girl.
2: Oh. Wonky is called Wonky because her sort of stripe on her face looks like someone's punched it out the side. <laughs> it goes sort of really wonky down her face. It's not. It's not diagonal. It goes off to one side and then comes back again. Hmm. So it's quite cute. So in terms of her being a Gelderlander, is she the first Gelderlander you've had? Yes, but I I really like her. She's lovely to work with. She was feral when she came to me last year. Oh, no. She was six years old, and she'd not been handled. <gasps> not had a head collar on, anything. Wow. So she she was quite a project. But she's, she's so sweet, and she really, really wants to be friends with humans. Mm-hmm. She really thinks humans are very interesting. <laughs> and because I'm at quite a large riding school, and she's been out in the field now for about two months while I've been preparing for Rio, because there's no point getting... Splatted off a young horse at this point no so um, young horses and horses are going to be any form of trouble they get put out of the way <laughs> on this journey and so she's been out in the field and um, she stands and watches the children on the yard and she stands and watches the other horses coming in and out she watches horses going up and down the road she watches the tractors she watches the guys in the field because we're in Lincolnshire we're um have a lot of different things going on out in the fields mm. and at the moment we've got a gang of guys picking gladioli. Oh wow, what's gladioli? They're like flag flowers, oh, Okay, those tall sort of reedy looking flowers. They're growing those out in a field behind the, the riding school and there's Gangs of guys out there Chopping flowers So she's been watching them <laughs> But she, she spends her whole day She's so active Because she, she eats And then she stands there And she stares at the world And she she's going Oh you're coming in now right Are you going to come and feed me What we're going to do And she, when she came She was so terrified hmm. And now she's I wouldn't say she's mega confident But she's really trying She's trying to be brave She's trying to take it all in She's trying to learn She's lesser. so receptive. She's awesome. She's just such an awesome horse.
1: And in terms of their features and the way that Gelderlanders are, I love the, the fact that they're bigger on top. So they do have quite a Frisian look about them, but they have finer legs.
2: Yeah, she's got she's not got masses of bone, but she's um she's got she's got a proper free um proper Gelderlander head. <laughs> Beautiful. Proper ugly head. Oh really? She's oh but ugly. It, it, it's ugly, beautiful. It's it's one of those heads that you look at and it's it's gorgeous, but it's also kind of ugly. Um, it's like my vet, when he came up to do her vaccinations and things, he always goes, God, bear, you have got an ugly horse. <laughs> oh, no. I imagined her being stunning. Oh, but she is. She's, but she's power. She's striking. She's Meryl Streep <laughs> rather than Kate Moss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. But she's so you're not taking her to Rio with you? No, no, she's she's just a baby. She's she's seven, but she's got seven going on four. one for Tokyo, maybe. Yeah, I'm aiming her towards Tokyo, but I've also got double agent's three year old half sister sitting out in the field. Oh, wow, possibly we'll go towards Tokyo. Oh, I think gosh. she might be a couple of years too young. But
1: so which horse are you going to take this year? Double agent, this okay. is Darcy. Lovely, and how long have you had Darcy? I've had her seven
2: years. Oh, wow. I bought her as a two-year-old. Yeah. And so you have you done all the training yourself? She went away to be backed by a friend of mine because I don't bounce very well. I don't I think any of us back. do. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm lucky that I have some very good event rider friends that um, are really good at that kind of being brave and sticking on like limpets and getting <laughs> them going. So she went off to Helen to get going. And then pretty much since then, she's been my ride. She went and um, when she was six, she did a couple of internationals with Ashley Gowanlock, who's a Canadian grade one B rider. Mm-hmm. She was in need of a horse, so she loaned Darcy off me for the summer and went and took her and did a couple of internationals with her.
1: Oh, my gosh. You must be like a proud mum. Like there you go, taking, taking yeah. your baby that you've had from two and seeing her perform at
2: such high-caliber competitions. No, you're not like that. <laughs> Um, it was more nerve-wracking seeing Ashley on her, I think, than it was for me competing her. Uh, what, why was that? I don't know. It was <laughs> more, more kind of emotionally worrying. <laughs> and so Ashley did really well. Ashley did well. She qualified her for the World Equestrian Games in 2014. And then in the summer of 2014, she also qualified for the World Games with me. It was grade three. Congratulations. Well, it was nice because, you know, she was only a young horse at that point. She was seven, and that is young for para. And she qualified in two different grades, and she was up there with the best of them. But um, I took a different horse. Actually, I qualified, actually, three horses for the World Games. And um, I took a different horse because I felt that at seven, she was too young to be expected to do that. That's fair enough. What What is the age that you're normally looking at for a horse? Para horses... For her she needs to be Working towards Pre-St. George for My grade hmm. It's got to be a good advanced medium For the freestyle So you need for it to look easy You've got to be working towards Pre-St. George Which is quite a lot For a seven year old I know they do But it is quite a lot for a seven year old When they've also got to go out on tour And the tours take Two months really Off their training time Right. Imagine because it's time when you're away from home, and you're just all you can do is consolidate and relax the horse and compete. Mm. So they've got to be pretty established before you do that. So
1: would you say an age? They probably need another four or five years. So they're probably more like twelve
2: would be a mm-hmm. reasonable age. Yeah, I think you're looking at. I mean, Darcy's nine now. She's probably spot on for grade three. She's nine. She could be a little bit older, you know. Mm. She she would still be
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
2: There's one grade three horse, which is, I think, retired this year, that was 19. Oh, wow. That won medals at Beijing and London. I don't know if she won them before that as well. But she was, woman of the world, was phenomenal. and Incredible. Uh, Gosh. Just kept going.
1: Just yeah. kept going. <laughs> Bless her. So you rep- you're you representing Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't hear a Canadian accent can't hear much of an accent. Is there,
2: How did that work? I was born in Oxford, but my mother is Canadian, and I've had dual nationality from birth. Oh, you so lucky thing. I know. It was a great opportunity. I got to choose which nationality I wanted to compete under, and I chose Canada. And what were your reasons for choosing Canada? I'm quite a free spirit myself, and I was unsure how I would fit into the British system. And I also was a little bit too old for the British system. Oh, really? That surprises me. I didn't think there was an age limit on it. There previously, I think it's changed now, there was an age limit on the entry to it. Oh, right. They really wanted you at a certain level of international competition by the time you were about 24. And it was made quite clear to me that I could change just about everything, but I couldn't change my age. Hmm. was going to be a stumbling block. So... As I had other options, I took my other options and it's been a very good situation for me because one of the great things about riding for Canada is I am supported, but I also have the freedom to do a little bit my own thing, to work things out for myself, to design my own program and to be my own person with within a structure rather than being led on a very specific path and um, does it that's really good though because obviously you have that flexibility which is lovely
1: to be able to like you said be yourself be the type of rider that you want to be which is really lovely mm. but does it affect you that they're, they're not in the uk and that they're in canada so is it does is the, the support i guess is on tap and it's there all the time but do you think it would help if you were in canada Um. Not
2: really. I have had the option to emigrate, but paradressage is a Eurocentric sport. Mm. So then I would have to fly my horses back to Europe to compete each summer. That's true. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense, did it? (laughs) I have an awful, yeah, a huge advantage over a lot of the Canadian riders in that I can compete against Paralympic gold medalists every weekend. Amazing. Which you just don't get when you're in as big a country as Canada. Do you know the other Canadian riders? Do you know the other guys, people in your team? Yes, I know them quite well because we've been on tour together for the last three years. We go on tour each summer. Huh, amazing. Oh, so yeah. that's good because
1: you don't have the nerves then of when you're flying out to Rio, you're meeting a bunch of people you you
2: really don't know. <laughs> no, no, it, it's fine. We, we're we the same team as we had for the World Games. Oh perfect. We've slightly different support staff but with the same team of riders. Oh that's nice for you. So you're all going on the same journey together, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, and we've got a mixture of experience. We've got Loren Barwick who's won medals previously in the Paralympics for Canada and Ashley Gowanlock that has done other Paralympics and then you've got Robin, Andrews and myself who are sort of rookies at the Paralympic thing, but we've both done the World Games.
1: You don't sound like a rookie to me, Bert, to be honest. So you came fourth at the World Equestrian Games. That's not a rookie. That's like how much – it's incredible to come fourth, but is it a little bit frustrating as well?
2: Yeah, in many ways it's sort of the worst place to be. And um, the World Games at Cannes, we didn't have – they didn't give us any rosettes. We got absolutely nothing for coming fourth as a rider so it was top three or you might as well be lost. <laughs> oh, no. which so for me what i could take away from it was an amazing experience and the hunger that comes from being that close but mm. missing and that freestyle day was a really strange day my horse went into the main ring and brumped like a dolphin all the way around the outside of the arena, no. before going into the meeting, which I was quite happy about because it doesn't really bother me. I grew up showing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just kind of crack on and several of the riders that in the form book should have sat above me, messed up their freestyles and I messed up mine. But. I only, I messed it up less than they did. (laughs) And it was a bit like, um, yeah, it was a bit like dominoes. It was kind of like, who's still going to, you know, who's not going to mess up? (laughs) Oh. I finished mine going down the centre line, and I halted about ten seconds before my music finished. The really? music was still playing as I left the arena because <laughs> <laughs> I carried on down the centre line. And I was going, I've got to stop because I'm going to be sat in Judge C's lap. <laughs> I can't actually halt on the track at sea. <laughs> I oh, well, I wonder
1: why that happened. Then was it the atmosphere? That did you go blank?
2: No, no, I went wrong. The horse had, um, a bit of a naughty flying change in it and, um, it came round the corner and decided to do a flying change where it wasn't supposed to. So I then had to stop it, get it back on the correct leg, taking up time. And then my music that I had at the time, it was very hard to tell where you were in the trot music hmm. as it was kind of on a continuous loop and it was, I got lost in my trot music and We'd had a lot of rain at the World Games, and the surface was riding like a road. Oh, really? And what we didn't know, which, you know, in hindsight, I would now ask, was we didn't know how fast the arena was riding, because everyone was finishing way in front of their music. Because the arena surface was so wet, and being wet sand, of course, that's very hard, isn't it? Mm. So the horses were skimming over the top of it. Oh. I never thought of that Yeah It's like fast going On a racetrack Oh my gosh So we were all Covering more ground And getting where We were meant to go Faster (laughs) Everyone was finishing Way in front of their music Or way behind it Because they tried To put another circle in (laughs) Or you know It was all kind of the, The car crash Kind of music day Yeah So it's It's all experience Isn't it
1: You learn from these things Yeah So Rio could be Quite exciting For the freestyle Then by the sounds of it Let's hope There don't be any rain
2: well, it, you know, if it rains, at least now we know that if you've just got a sand surface in the rain, it will ride fast. <laughs> and I also now have much better music from a rider's point of view, because I now have music there. I can tell where I am in it. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought of that. I didn't even think you could get lost in your music before. Who
1: is it who's organised or put together your music
2: for this year? was a friend of mine called Rich Neil. Oh, he sorted my music. And can you give us a little hint of what it's going to be like? Um, well, we had we had quite a lot of trouble trying to sort out music for Darcy because Darcy herself is a bit of a wallflower. She's not a horse that kind of picks up a beat and goes, yeah, you know, this is what I want to dance to. As some do. Some really do swagger to it. She didn't, or oh, she doesn't particularly. She kind of goes, yeah, that's okay, I can do this. <laughs> and that, that's as much feedback as you get from her. And I've always been quite rock-orientated in my music tastes. Oh, nice. I like something strong and powerful, but that wasn't going to suit Darcy, so we had to try and work out what we were going to do. Rich found some music that was played on electric violins. It was rock music played on electric violins, and we've used that.
1: I bet that would be beautiful. Really cool.
2: Mm. It's really elegant, but it's still got that power that comes from being sort of rock-shaped tunes rather than... Yeah, it's classical. Mm. We are Are we a little bit bored of classical? Well, we don't get that much classical in dressage now. Certainly not for paras. We seem to, at the moment, be stuck on um, electronic dance music. Oh, really? Yeah. If I hear another version of William Orbit, I think I'm oh, <laughs> I'd love... Or, or Children, that Robert Miles. Oh, God, well, yeah. I mean, how old is that song now? Yeah, and the latest one is uh, is it Avicii? Oh, Avicii. Yeah. Avicii. Yeah. Avicii, that. Wake Me Up, that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'd love, I'd absolutely love to see somebody ride to a bit of Electro Swing. I think that would be cool because we're moving mm. in terms of, of where music is and the trends of music. Electro Swing is very on trend right now. It's brought a bit of the 50s vibe forward yeah. to the to, to the century. And I think that would be really cool because that's got a base to it. But it's also uplifting. Yeah. So I just have
2: visions of the, of the Piaf would just be
1: awesome to that.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I can see how that would work. <laughs> when I was trying to think of music for Darcy, I got sort of an idea of that... Um, all about the bass song. Oh, yeah, I like that. Mm. Yeah, but one of the Canadian trainers decided that that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too much, especially as Darcy herself has a sort of famously big bum. <laughs> oh, When are you flying out there? Uh, we go out on the 4th of September. So
1: not long. You are very calm about the whole thing. Um, it's a job. <sighs> I know, but there must be
2: a few little butterflies inside. The Butterflies are more more the sort of, I just want to get on and do it now, rather than sort of, yay, oh gosh, oh. Um, it is just, it is another show. It's the biggest show there is every four years, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. Unless something majorly goes wrong in the security, I'm not going to die from my performance at the Olympics or Paralympics. That's true, but you're also
1: you're on the stage, you're on the world stage, but as an inspirational person. So that what's that? you are, see, you're pulling faces at me, but
2: you, you really, really are. Ooh, I hate the word inspirational. It's one of the, those horrible words. Do you, I think it's
1: an amazing
2: word. I think it's, it's
1: it, to be, to really, truly be an inspirational person is,
2: I'm not lucky. That's not the right word. um, I've I've been very fortunate to have amazing opportunities. I come from a very sporty family, although it's sort of alternative sports rather than track and field or, or tennis or something like that. So I've grown up with a very competitive sporting mentality drilled into me from a young age. And then I've had fantastic opportunities to train with some of the best trainers in the world for my riding education, coupled with, you know, being surrounded by a great learning attitude by the people around me that have taught me to investigate what I'm doing and read around my subject and develop a sort of geeky kind of back catalogue to my training. Mm. So it's, I feel like I've got a really strong base to go from, and now it's just putting the polish on that base rather than, It being anything massively extraordinary.
1: It is. I'm sorry. I can't agree with you. It is massively extraordinary. It's incredible. Um, There's a quote on your website, which I love. If you can dream it, you can do it when you believe it. And Mm. I think that's very, very true. And the adverts that we've seen lately on TV and and the big marketing campaign for the Paralympics is that you guys are superhumans.
2: And have you seen that?
1: I have seen it.
2: What did you think about it? Um, I thought it was a shame that they portrayed athletes in the way they did in the advert. Really? You wouldn't show an able-bodied shot putter or javelin player playing the drums because it wouldn't be considered that interesting. Yet people seem to think it's entertainment watching a Paralympic athlete playing the drums with their feet or... Watching, yeah. I thought it was a backward step. It was, it was looking at the Paralympics in a more of a entertainment freak show kind of.
1: Oh no, that's such a shame.
2: We're athletes in our own right, and they weren't showing that. Yeah, it it didn't
1: sit well with me that advert. I totally see where you're coming from, though. I'd never even thought of it like that. It's not, it's not entertainment. I think the majority of people are super proud really genuinely proud not because you're a power olympian not because you you have a disability but because of the tenacity of what you've gone through your training every day day in day out your commitment your proof that no matter what you can do what you want to do i think that's what we don't see enough of
2: yeah it's a very high level sport or elite sport is a very selfish endeavor and In many ways, it's a very positive thing, and it can be a very good thing, I think, for society and for people to see how you can pursue your goals. And there's a lot of development that comes out of sport that then goes into the wider public community Hmm. in the same way as, say, the NASA space program has provided us with memory foam. And there are other (laughs) things that come from the sporting world that help With, you know, the way our cars run and things. But, yeah, any high-level sport, and I've seen it with my own immediate family, to be truly world-class, you have to make tremendous sacrifices, but you also have to be very single-minded, very focused, and at times that means you're not always the most nice, sweet, generous Delightful person, because you've actually you have to go and train mm. and you have to do what you need to do, and you have to put your friends to the side and do what is going to take you to the Paralympics. I really appreciate your honesty Bert <laughs> so I'm probably too honest about this, but no it's nice um, it's refreshing yeah i i um I split up with a partner that I've been with for nine years because of my need to pursue my my sporting goals mm. and um for me that's really important i can absolutely see where charlotte de Jardin's coming from when the whole sort of will you marry me now gate um, <laughs> that's been on social media because no <laughs> i can really see her going no you know you've got to fit around what i'm doing and
1: mm. you know it takes so much focus, doesn't it, psychologically, as, as well as it takes over your life. But that's mm-hmm. the commitment that you made when you decided that's what you wanted to do. And that's what I keep, that's what I was trying to say earlier, is for the young kids coming through, there isn't a lot that shows them that being committed makes you a success or you can be a success if you really commit to something, not just in sport, in school, in work, in employment. It's very difficult now in society to find things that actually motivates them and shows mm. them that you can be a success. And the commitment that you guys have made, the commitment that Charlotte's made, not getting married until until after the games, totally, totally understand that.
2: Yeah, and I actually think for... Possibly for women. That is a really important thing about sport. So often we're expected to support the men in our lives. And actually to be a top female athlete, you have to have the support of your other half, not be the supporter. Mm-hmm. It's a very different dynamic mm-hmm. to the traditional marital relationship or you know, 2.4 children kind of household you have to be supported by your other half rather than you being the supporting role mm. to that person it's quite different so is there a chance you can get back together after rio no no we've been split up for five years now so oh really yeah <laughs> okay um, but it's um it just became sort of apparent that if i wanted to do what i was doing then this wasn't going to work so i decided that what i was doing was more important than the relationship
1: well i wish you all the success but um few days to go we haven't got long now and can we follow you on twitter are you on instagram yeah what's your twitter handle is Hopalong rider it's been a pleasure to meet you thank you so much see you bye Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can hear some awesome guests coming up over the next month for the Horse Hour podcast, including Sergeant Craig from the Metropolitan Police Mounted section. We always want to know how they train the mounted horses. And um, I always wonder if they're ever available to buy. Because in my head, I'm thinking, well, a horse that's so well trained like that would be an ideal first horse. So I'm going to have a chat with Sergeant Craig about that. Also, HGV Training, if you're thinking of getting your horse box license, then uh, have a listen to James, who joins us and gives some advice on how to get a license and what the different meanings are as well. I'm also speaking to the Pony Club, the official Pony Club for the UK, because I just love things childlike. I missed out on the opportunity to go to Pony Club because my parents were never very horsey and I got into riding much later. So I'm really looking forward to having a chat with them seeing what's available for kids, how do children learn and also advice for parents as well. If if you've got some children that maybe you want to get into riding or you don't know where to take them then the Pony Club will give you loads of advice. You can catch up with old episodes on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk as well as a whole bunch of advice and information. information anything related to horses and there's our calendar as well if you have a couple of weekends free and you're looking for something to do then head over to our calendar and see what shows are going on in your local area and on top of that if you run a show yourself you can add that to our calendar you just have to click add event loads going on at horse hour i hope you have a really lovely week and i'll speak
2: to you soon you've been listening to horse hour Join the community on Twitter,
0: Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and PlayerFM.